All right, well, I uh, wanted to get back into our series in Daniel. So Daniel chapter 7, uh, you can turn in your Bibles. This is uh, one of the doozyest chapters in the Bible as far as prophecy, okay? And so I am going to handle it delicately and deeply and simply all at the same time if I can. Uh, for some of you that really like to uh, really just devour this and eat more, uh, I'm going to leave you hungry. I, I can't cover it all today. Uh, but for those of you that have never heard prophecy before, maybe this is different for you. I want to make sure that you can understand and jump on board uh, as well. Uh, so that's kind of the, the balance of teachings like this is let's make sure that we all can grab hold. Uh, at the same time, there's so much hope in this chapter you're about to read. There's so much that was spoken through God. Now, if you don't know what prophecy is, um, uh, there's uh, different forms of prophecy in, in Daniel's time, and as uh, he was a prophet for God in that time. Uh, this is a moment of prophecy that's spoken about the future. Uh, the future that was, some of it's already happened, so some of the prophecy that we're about to read has already been accomplished, but there's much that's been spoken that hasn't come to pass. Uh, so I don't know if you know this, but two-thirds of your Bible is prophetic, so be okay with prophecy. Prophecy is a great thing. Um, I don't know what your experience is, but pro- prophecy is an amazing, uh, godly uh, word for us and for the church and for the body. Uh, today in the New Testament, there's a gift of prophecy. That's, uh, that's more edification, encouragement, exalting, and lifting the body. Uh, that's uh, the prophetic that we hear as far as the Holy Spirit's gift of prophecy. Uh, but in the Old Testament and before uh, Christ, uh, there was prophetic words of future, things that were to come. And sometimes prophecy can be futuristic in a sense of affirming what God's doing or showing you what's coming ahead. Uh, but as far as uh, prophesying the Messiah and Christ and the second coming, uh, look, there's no more addition to that. That's all been given, and God's made that very clear. Uh, but what you're about to read is uh, something that was so powerful given to Daniel, uh, given to us as a body in the church and the Jews, uh, such a powerful prophetic word. So I just wanted to help you kind of understand where we are. Now, we've been through Daniel chapter 1 through 6. Uh, I shared a little bit last week, but if you're new, I just want you to jump on real quick. Uh, Daniel chapter 1 through 6 went through a historic time for the Jews. Uh, Daniel chapter 1 began when the Jews were caught, by, they were caught captive by Babylon. Uh, so Babylon went into Israel, the north Israel, south Israel, took captive all the Jews, uh, took capture of Jerusalem, all the belongings, the godly artifacts, all, the, all of the treasury and the offerings that were made for God, uh, took those into possession, uh, basically stole them and put them in their treasuries, took all the Jews captive and made them serve underneath the Babylonians, and uh, the Jews were in, captive, uh, were in captivity for over 70 years uh, during this time. So they were captive to the Babylonians. Then they were captive to the Medes and the Persians. Then they were captive to Greece. Then they were captive to the Romans, which is Ju- Jesus' time. When Jesus came, they were uh, under the Roman government and Roman authority. And so uh, you could see that this has been a long time of captivity for the Jews. Uh, now there were sparks of, uh, of going back and uh, revitalizing Jerusalem and worship under Nehemiah and those things. But you could see that this is, this is something that... In history that's been documented, and uh, we see it not only in our Bibles, but also historically, uh, that the Jews have been pretty much captive to so many different nations, and we, we, we've seen that. And so uh, chapter 1 recorded that history of them under Babylon's rule, under King Nebuchadnezzar. We shared that in the first few weeks. Uh, then we saw that uh, Nebuchadnezzar, because of pride, was destroyed. He actually lived as a beast for seven years uh, in the fields, eating like cattle uh, until his pride was broken, and then he rose back into power for a short time. Uh, passed away, and then was taken over by another king called Belshazzar. Uh, Now, I want you to remember King Belshazzar, because we'll get back to there as we start today. Uh, But that was the last king of Babylon. He was slain, 
and then the Medes and the Persians took over. Uh, and you, we read that in chapter 6. Um, so uh, just so you can see, there's a historical, uh, uh, true historical piece that if you study history, you can see that. Uh, but today we're in chapter 7, and Daniel begins to share about uh, a prophetic vision. And that's the title of the message today, his prophetic vision. Uh, now, again, this is prophetic because in a sense that Daniel gives it, it hasn't happened. This is, this is something that is, uh, that is playing out as he lives. So today we can look back and see it. But when Daniel's given the prophecy, uh, he's actually uh, under the rule of, of Babylonian captivity. Uh, but he's speaking about the Medes and the Persians, which haven't ruled yet. He's speaking about the, the, Greece, uh, the Greek, Alexander the Great, which hadn't taken power yet. He's speaking about Rome, how they hadn't taken power yet. So he's speaking about all of these things that are so futuristic and hundreds to thousands of years in the future. Uh, then he speaks about the Messiah, Jesus Christ. He speaks about the second coming, all of that in one prophecy. So that's why I said we've got a lot to cover today. So we're going to start in Genesis chapter 1, and then we'll finish in Revelation today. So we're going to be here a while. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'll give you, I'm just, we're just going to really unpack this prophecy of chapter 7, but I hope that helps you understand. Now, when Daniel gives this prophecy, he's actually given the prophecy. So I told you we went up to chapter 6, which was uh, the leading of um, the Medes and the Persians, it, that's when Darius began to reign. Uh, but this prophecy was actually given uh, years before that when Belshazzar was the king. And so, uh, so Daniel uh, wrote down this prophecy and he remembers this prophecy and now he's giving this prophecy uh, when he received it years ago. This would have been uh, about 12 or 13 years after Nebuchadnezzar passed away. Uh, Belshazzar is in his first year of reign, and this is when he received the vision. Uh, so just so you understand, we're kind of going a little bit backwards in history. So uh, Daniel chapter 6 leads us up to the Medes and the Persians' captivity. Daniel chapter 7 goes back to the Babylonian captivity when he received this prophecy. Uh, so just so you, if you're reading the Bible, I remember when I was reading it for the first time or first few times, I'm like, this is so confusing. Your Bible's not in chronological order. Uh, it's in order of, of the way that God put it into place. Now, you can get chronological Bibles, and in that case, Daniel 7 would be chopped up. They'd go in different places of your Bible. So, um, but those are great things, too. If you want to read it in chronological order, you can do that as well. But uh, just so you understand, if you're new to the Bible, that's kind of the way it's written. So uh, Daniel chapter 7 starts with uh, this vision. And uh, let's read the first few verses of it in uh, verses 1 through 3. Uh, that'll kind of give us an introduction. Again, it tells us that he received this during King Belshazzar. Uh, so let's start in verse 1. And the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of, uh, of his head while on his bed. And he wrote down the dream, uh, telling the main facts. Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven and the stirring up of the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. So uh, let's stop there. He had this vision of four great beasts. And remember, he's just documenting the facts. So this isn't a play-by-play -play for the next thousands of years, what's going to unroll. Uh, a prophecy's general in the sense of it's, it's giving you the general precepts, but you won't see the, uh, the whole unpacking. Uh, Joseph had this, many, many others that you see when you look at dreams or visions. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll have the dream, but they won't know how it unfolds in total, but it will unfold, and it'll, it'll uh, be fulfilled exactly the way it was given. Uh, but as, as human beings, we, we like to figure things out, but that's not the way it works with prophecy. So there's these four beasts. Now, when you read Daniel's prophecy, and remember he had, there, was a, uh, there was a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, uh, you know, almost a century before that, uh, or 20, 25 years before that. So uh, these visions are very parallel in a sense that we're talking about the same nations. So uh, if you remember, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream about a statue 
The, whole, the head was the most prominent and the most elegant. It was made of gold, and that was Babylon. Then there was the chest and the arms that was made out of silver. That was the Medes and the Persians. Uh, the belly and the thighs that was made of bronze, and that was uh, Alexander the Great in Greece. And then the feet and the toes, and they were made of iron and clay, and that was Rome. Uh, so the same na- we're talking about the same nations, uh, but the perspective is different. The focus is different. The, uh, what, they're, what they're viewing is different. So we're, we're talking about the same nations. We're talking about the same scope of time. But Nebuchadnezzar's focused on who's in power and uh, the power of those nations and who's the greatest nation and, and the strength of those nations. So he's, he's more focused on uh, the governmental rule or the kingship or the, or the country or the nation. And of course, because most of them are prideful, he's <laughs> focused on, well, I'm stronger than you and I'll be better than you. And, but but the, given the sequence of how it's going to happen. Now, Daniel uh, noticed the dream is, uh, is similar in, in that it's the same nations, but it's not a statue. Now it's four beasts. Uh, you know, beasts aren't uh, necessarily... Uh, bad, you know, obviously beasts can be, uh, they can go and they can terrorize things and different things like that. But Daniel's really focused on that these nations spiritually are going to be like wild beasts. You know, wild beasts are made to do what they do. It's not that they're sinful, uh, but these nations are being sinful. And in the same way that, uh, that wild beasts can't control themselves because that's the way they were made and after sin, that was their nature. Uh, in the same way, these nations are almost uncontrollable in the way they are sinful. They're uncontrollable in the way that they honor the one true God. There's, godliness is leaving, uh, leaving these nations uh, in drones. Every time there's a, a takeover, there's another transfer of false gods and false gods and false gods. And remember, all along the way, every time it goes from the Jews go to Babylon, the Jews go to Medes and Persians, the Jews go uh, to Greece, the Jews go to Rome. Uh, all of these nations are getting captive and captive. and ca- So all these nations are encapsulated inside of all these other great nations. So you not only have the Jews and the Babylonians, now you have the Jews and the Babylonians and the Medes and Persians together. And then after they get conquered, now you have the Jews, the Babylonians, the Medes and the Perds, and the Greece together. And then when they get captive, now you have the Jews, the Babylonians, the Greece, and the Romans all together in one humongous nation. So if you could think about all of this uh, religion and, and false religion and false gods are all packed in this big nation. And uh, the, the worship of the Jews is so far, I mean, I'm sure that they felt... This is never coming back. We're never going to go back to Jerusalem. We're never going to be able to worship in a temple again. And so if you could just imagine how far away from the one true God they're getting as this captivity continues. So uh, again, that's where we are. So he gives this vision of these great beasts. And I want to kind of, uh, Daniel chapter 7 is broken up into two. First he gives the vision, and then he gives the interpretation. All right, so we're going to read the interpretation today, but I encourage you to read the vision in total, which is uh, the next few verses uh, after chapter 3, you can read the vision. Uh, but then Daniel gives the interpretation. So let's go over, over the interpretation, uh, verses 15 through 28 of chapter 7. So here's Daniel speaking. I was confused and disturbed by all I had seen, Daniel wrote in his report. So I approached one of those standing beside the throne and asked him the meaning of all these things. And he explained to me, these four huge animals or four huge beasts, I'm reading this out in the Living Bible Translation, he said, represent four kings who will someday rule the earth. But in the end, the people of the Most High God shall rule the governments of the world forever and ever. Then I asked about the fourth animal, the one so brutal and shocking, with its iron teeth and brass claws that tore men apart and stamped others to death with its feet. I asked, too, about the ten horns and the little horn that came up afterward and destroying three of the others, the horn with the eyes and the loud bragging mouth and the one that was stronger than others. For I had seen this horn warring against God's people and winning. 
until the Ancient of Days came and opened his court and vindicated his people, giving them worldwide powers of government. This fourth animal, he told me, it's the fourth world power that will rule the earth. It will be more brutal than any of the others. It will devour the whole world, destroying everything before it. His ten horns are ten kings that will rise out of his empire. And another king will rise more brutal than any other empire. Then the, I'm sorry, more brutal than the other ten and will destroy three of them. He will defy the most high God and wear down the saints with persecution. He will try to change all laws, morals, and customs. God's people will be helpless in his hands for three and a half years. But the Ancient of Days will come and open his court of justice and take all power from the, from the vicious king to consume and destroy it until the end. Then all the nations under heaven and their power shall be given to the people of God. They shall rule all things forever and all rulers shall serve and obey them. That was the end of the dream. When I awoke, I was greatly disturbed and my face was pale with fright but I told no one what I'd seen. So this is the vision. It's a lot, isn't it? And that's why I said this is one of the biggest prophecies in scriptures because it covers a huge span of time. We're still in the span of time that Daniel spoke of. Uh, so he speaks about four wild beasts. He talks about the fourth beast he wanted more uh, understanding on. And so today, let me help you break it down a little bit so you can uh, you know, you, like I said, if you want to go home and chew on this a little bit more, meditate, study, I encourage you to do so. But I'm just going to give you a, a kind of a 30,000-foot overview of what he just said in his vision. First, there were four beasts. Let's go over the first three, and then we'll hit the fourth one uh, last. Uh, first, the lion. The lion was Babylon. In fact, it's, it's pretty, uh, when you think about Babylon, in fact, Jeremiah prophesies about Babylon being like a lion. In, in Jeremiah in chapter 49 and 50, he links uh, Babylon to the lion. Uh, so we know that this interpretation of the lion is set to Babylon, to King Nebuchadnezzar himself. And if you think about a lion, a lion's very swift, very fast, right? Have you ever watched those shows? How many of you like watching those National Geographics where they're, they're, they're hiding and then they, then they pounce, right? That's the rule of Nebuchadnezzar. That's how he ruled. And I, I love how Daniel describes him as wild beasts in the sense of, you know, they have no care about you know, the nations they're conquering. There's so much life that is taken away. We, you know, we don't document all of that in your Bibles, but if you look at history, there are so many nations that are overcome, conquered, things that are burned and torched. Jerusalem was literally annihilated and burnt to the ground. Uh, you know, people's lives were lost many, many, many. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar was so powerful. He was probably the most powerful. Remember the statue, the big gold head. He was probably the most powerful as far as nations, fast, lioness and, and character, lioness and, and, and speed. Uh, in fact, that's what's documented in history is he came so fast, the, the nations that he was taking over were, were surprised. They were unexpected. They were, he was behind the bush and he, they came so fast. In fact, the vision says he's a lion with, with two wings. Uh, and you know, we think those wings really represent just how he would just swoop in there, take over, take them captive, and it was done. There was no, no time for them to react, to come up with a battle plan, to fight for themselves. Nebuchadnezzar was like a lion. He just would, he would just, it would just happen, and it would be fast, and it would be over. Uh, and so that's the way he's described, uh, how swift his armies were swooping in and uh, taking over unexpected prey. Uh, again, he's describing this uh, as wild beasts so you can understand, look, it wasn't pretty. This wasn't pretty. I mean, taking over Jerusalem wasn't pretty. Stealing God's treasuries wasn't pretty. But the lion doesn't care. He wants what he wants. 
And that's really how Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians were described in this vision uh, that Daniel was speaking. Remember now, Daniel's speaking towards the spiritual nature of these countries. And you see that it's going away from God, away from God, away from God. We know from our, uh, our messages past, as you look at Nebuchadnezzar, he had moments where he turned to God. But for the most part, he's worshiping false gods and forgetting about what God has spoken to him. Uh, then there's the bear. Then there's the bear. Now the bear, we, we, we think, is the Medes and the Persians. Again, if you think about uh, Babylon being the head and Medes and Persians being the chest and Nebuchadnezzar's dream and Daniel's dream, he's the bear. Now, bears are strong and they're powerful, but not quite as uh, nibblesome as a lion, not quite as fast as a lion, still ferocious, still powerful, but not quite as powerful as maybe a lion, not quite as swift as a lion. And we see that, that the Medes and Persians didn't conquer as much. They had three major conquests. Uh, so in the vision of the bear, it talks about how it has three ribs in its mouth. And that, that really speaks towards the three conquests, we believe. It speaks towards the three conquests uh, that the Medes and the Persians had. They, they, con- they conquered Lydia, they conquered Babylon, and they conquered Egypt. Those are the three main conquests. So if we connect that to the ribs in its mouth, uh, that's, they, they just went over. We know they took over Babylon because we read about that and we see that. Daniel speaks about that. Uh, but they also took over Lydia, which is in Asia Minor, and they took over um, Egypt, which we read that was the last conquest of Nebuchadnezzar be- before he came the wild beast and he was in the field. Uh, again, all of these are on our website. You can watch these or go back and catch up on these. But you're starting to see that these visions go together. You know, this is the bear. The bear is still strong, still powerful, still overcoming, but not as powerful as a lion, uh, but still is in power. So that would be the second beast. The third one is a leopard. The leopard. And without question, uh, most historians and, and scholars, especially biblical scholars, uh, describe Alexander the Great as a leopard. He was the fastest moving uh, conqueror that ever lived. In 10 years, he conquered more than any other nation. In 10 years, he brutally massacred more people than anybody else. In 10 years, he was so fast. In fact, I love the description that Daniel painted here. He was not only a leopard, but he had a leopard in how many wings? Four. Now remember, Nebuchadnezzar was also powerful and fast as lion, but he had two. So you see the symbolism here. You see the, the symbolism that as a, le- a leopard's faster than a lion in speed, but in craftiness, it's his armies. In fact, there's four wings of Alexander's army. There's four different uh, powers. Uh, in fact, when, when Alexander the Great passes away historically, his nation's broken up into four. So it's amazing how these visions, prophetic visions, this is way before Alexander the Great, but how they unfold and how everything fits together. Uh, but Alexander was a, great, was a great conqueror. In fact, he conquered more people and nation and land and plunder than all the other nations combined in 10 short years. And so, again, he's the leopard. He's the leopard of the vision. He's the one that's, that's, that's conquering. He's a great power. Uh, but again, when he passes, when Alexander the Great passes, that nation gets broken up into four. There's four different uh, divisions in his leadership. And then uh, all of a sudden, uh, it's the last great and dreadful beast. It's, it's, there's not really a term for it. It's just great and dreadful. So when you think of a great and dreadful beast, what do you think of? Dragons, right? Dragons or uh, the Loch Ness or uh, maybe it's one of those kids' TV shows. I don't know. But you know what I mean? This great dreadful beast. You think about this great dreadful, and it's not named uh, for, for reason or purpose. Uh, but Daniel says, this, this is the beast of all beasts. And I need to know more about this one. 
I need to know more about this one. Now we know uh, as far as a nation, it's Rome. Rome, uh, in the same way, they conquered even more than all the other nations. They were the longest lasting reigning power. They, they uh, as far as time, Babylon, Medan Persians, Greece, all of them added up, don't even come close to how long Rome ruled. And so Rome had a really long ruling, uh, great and dreadful beasts as far as they, they conquered a ton of land, a, a ton of people. And again, remember all these other nations, now they're under the power of Rome. Even when Jesus comes to earth, they're under the power of Rome. If you remember in the New Testament, uh, in fact, uh, Jesus said this to the Jews. He said, you know, the truth will set you free and you'll be free indeed. And they said, we're not in bondage, Jesus. What are you talking about? But they were in bondage to Rome at the time that he said it. Now, they didn't want to accept that, but that was the truth. And Jesus said, look, if you want to be free, I will set you free. The truth, me, I'll set you free. But they couldn't hear that. They were, they were so, again, they've been in this process for a long time. They've been under government rule for a long time. And so that's kind of uh, Rome. They're the last dreadful beast. But really what uh, Daniel wanted to know more about, and I think we all want to know more about, is the horns, right? The horns. Now, this is the pro- part of the prophecy that is future. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, but the ten horns represent ten kings. We saw that in the interpretation. It, re- it represents ten kings that arise and ten kingdoms that arise. And then there's the eleventh horn. And the eleventh horn that comes out is uh, the great and dreadful beast. This is the Antichrist. This is the one that will rise, and this is the one that will speak blasphemy over God. But he's also uh, someone that will have great power. There's going to be something about him that attracts people. There's going to be something about him that his power and his influence is able to deceive. And Daniel talks about how there's going to be a time, three and a half years is what it said, three and a half years where he literally destroys and persecutes the saints. Believers. Notice how he doesn't say anything else about any other religion, Christians. I am going to persecute and put great dread on saints and believers of Jesus Christ. That's called the tribulation. Tribulation is actually the whole seven years, but three and a half years of it, for half of it, there's going to be this terrible persecution to try to get rid of all the saints. We see that in Revelation. I don't have time to go into that, but uh, this is is the 11th horn. This is the Antichrist. And for three and a half years, he's going to make covenants with Israel. He's going to make all these promises. He's going to make all of these things and and draw everybody in. And then he's going to break the covenant and dreadful and blasphemous words and terrible things are going to happen. This is what Daniel speaks about. Now, if you've been around the church long enough, this is what we call dispensationalism, right? That there's an age of the church that we're in right now that the Messiah will come and the church will be the power and the, and the authority that God uses on the earth, which we're in right now, uh, which Daniel speaks about how the saints will have power over the governments of the earth, how he talks about this, not only, uh, and, and that's to come as well, but he talks about this time where before the tribulation comes, this is the 11, the 11, there's going to be 10 kings that arise, and there's going to be an antichrist that's going to arise, and then you're going to see this, uh, this last week that we'll learn about here in a couple when I come back. This last week, this last seven years, this tribulation time. Uh, and then after that, the second coming is going to happen. Jesus is going to come. The Messiah is going to come. Well, he's going to come again. He's already came, but he's going to come for his second coming. And he's going to start taking care of the Antichrist and start taking care of Satan. And then there's going to be a reign for a thousand years with the Jews. That's going to be amazing on the earth where Jesus is the king. I don't know about you, but I would sure would love to Jesus be king right here on the earth right now. I know he's king over everything, but wouldn't it be great if 
our president was Jesus Christ. That would be awesome. That would be great. For a thousand years, that's what the way it will be. Jesus will be the king of all the earth. It would be pretty powerful. So that's the vision. Was that too much? You okay? All right. So that's, that's what Daniel's describing. And again, he's, he's asking more about this great and dreadful beast. Uh, and he's, he's trying to understand what's going to happen. But uh, I, I think with prophecy, and I think uh, if I could parallel it to the way where we live today, uh, if this could help you, because Daniel's talking about a long span of time. Now, when he gave it, I don't, uh, anytime there's prophecy, we don't know the span of time, but now here we are in 2019, and still some of this prophecy hasn't fulfilled. Now, a lot of it has. The bear's risen, right? Or the lion's risen, the bear's risen, the leopard's risen, Rome has been in power. Those things have all happened. But the last kingdom of the dreadful beast, when the horns and the, and the little horn comes out, that hasn't happened yet. That's still the time that's still to come. And, and I don't know about you, but I, know it's, I believe it's coming quickly. Uh, but none of us know the day or the hour that the second coming will happen. But we do know that we're getting further and further from God, aren't we? And this is what Daniel said. He said, Daniel reveals this downward spiral of godliness as these nations rose into power. And we see this, this downward spiral of godliness, so much so that when Jesus comes... Think about this. When the Messiah himself comes to the earth, how many Jews showed up to welcome him? Not many. Mary and a few families. A few sh- in fact, he had to call the shepherds. You would think when the Messiah came, because Daniel gives a prophecy that will go over in two months, it says this is the time that the Messiah will come. He gives a, he gives a window of time when the Messiah will be on the earth. And when Jesus comes as a baby, there's Mary and Joseph and then he sends angels to send some shepherds. And then there's some, there's some wise men that come because God reveals himself to them and they, and they come. But really, that's the crux of who shows up. So think about this. For thousands of years, God has been anointing and giving blessing and giving them the promised land to the Jews. And when the Messiah himself comes, it's such a small remnant that show up for his birth and his life and follow him. He's got 12 guys that follow him. He's got a, a group of, you know, by the time he leaves the earth, he's got a group of followers, but it's not like the whole Jewish nation is there. So you can see that God, you know, this relationship with the Messiah himself is, they've lost hope. And this is where I want to parallel it today, because I think we live in a nation where we see a lot of junk, don't we? We see a lot of evil. We hear a lot of evil. Everything we see is so far from the word of God. It's so far from the values and principles of God. But here's what I love about prophecy, and here's what you need to remember. There's still hope. And as long as we're the church on the earth, we are the voice for God. We are the ones that are to walk and, and give the principles and values. We're the ones that are be the light and the city on the hill. We're, until Christ returns, we have this great authority from heaven. It doesn't matter how bad it gets. This is what I love about Daniel. I hope you're learning. This is what I've learned about Daniel. Daniel was faithful even in the worst of the worst. He never stopped praying. He never gave up on God. I'm sure he had moments of, of where he was down, but I can just tell you, I'm so thankful that he stood. I'm thankful that he stood for prayer. I'm thankful that he didn't bow down to that statue. I'm thankful that he stood. Even though people told him, you have to do it or you're going to die, he says, no, I'm standing for Christ. And listen, I don't care how bad it gets, that's got to be our heart. And I think this, if Daniel can inspire you, encourage you, help you, or give you hope, look, I don't care how bad it gets, you have a God that loves you, that will protect you, that will provide you, that will be there for you. I know we can't see the whole picture. We're not God. I know we don't get it all. 
But listen, you can trust Jesus. You can trust that he knows what he's doing. And when he spoke this prophecy to Daniel, he's speaking to us today. Look, we're the church. We're his children. We're the saints. In fact, part of Daniel's prophecy is, you know, look, there's a lot of things that are going to happen. The world is going to do a lot of terrible stuff. But let me tell you something, and that's my next point. There's a people called the saints that you need to know about. Look at this, and he talks about this in verse uh, 17 and 18 of chapter 7. Let's read it together. He says this, those great beasts, he's speaking about the great beasts, who which are four, are four kings which arise out of the earth. But, listen to this, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. That's pretty good, right? He only needed to say forever once, but I think he's trying to stress how much hope you need to have. The saints, let's read it again. The saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever. And if you didn't get it, ever. All right? So have hope. Look, I know it's a mess. I know we live in a chaos right now. I know we live in a mess. But it doesn't mean that we can't be godly. It doesn't mean that we can't be his children. It doesn't mean that we can't be the church. It doesn't mean that we can't live for Christ because you can Daniel did it, and so many others did it. And you don't have to put Daniel on a pedestal because what he did was just, uh, it was complex and difficult, yes, but it was also very simple. I'm living for God, I'm praying, and I'm standing on the values of the word. That's it. So you don't make Christianity so difficult. Don't make it that you have to do all these thousand things. You keep praying, you keep walking towards God and choosing God, and you keep putting his word and his values in your life, and you live it out. Because when the persecution comes, guess what's gonna matter? If, if the Antichrist, and I'm telling you, he's going to try to take the word away, I'm sure there's going to be a great onslaught of the Bible. If this goes away, where is it? It needs to be right here. It needs to be right here. So embrace this time right now that we have. I don't know when that 11th horn is going to come out. I believe some of the 10 horns have already started to take place and form. But when that 11th horn comes out, this better be in here. Because persecution is coming. Now, I pray that we go before the persecution. I pray, Jesus, I don't know, mid-trib, pre-trib, post-trib, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just how about faithful trip? How's that? <laughs> All right? doesn't matter if Jesus takes us before the tribulation, the middle of the tribulation, or at the end. Either way, I pray our faith stays constant all the way through, whatever it is. And so, but I think Daniel gives us hope. We need to know. He gives us hope. But the saints, how long are we going to rule the kingdom? It doesn't matter what this world does. We will always be with God and God's kingdom will reign on forever and we'll be his people. It doesn't matter what happens on the earth. Verse 21 and 22 says this, I was watching and the same horn was making war against the saints, speaking of tribulation, and prevailing against them. How about that? Prevailing against them until the Ancient of Days came and a judgment was made in the favor of who? The saints of the Most High. And the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. So Daniel gives us hope. You need to have hope, church. I know things are happening. I know sometimes it's ugly. I know sometimes it hurts. I know sometimes it's just overwhelming how much we hear. But this is why we need prophecies like this to remember. To remember, look, what's happening right here is not eternal. What the world is doing has no influence or effect on your eternity. What's happening on the earth today, whatever Satan is doing on the earth today, it doesn't matter. He cannot rob what Christ has given to us. 
And so you've got to keep the hope. You've got to stay strong. Like Daniel, stay faithful. And finally, the Ancient of Days. Finally, the Ancient of Days and our focus should end with Jesus, shouldn't it? Daniel's prophecy ends with Jesus. Our focus should end with Jesus. And I just, I don't want to add too much to this because to be honest with you, words can't describe the majesty and the strength and the power of Christ. But I really love the way Daniel writes about God the Father and God the Son. Of course, God the Holy Spirit, they're all one. I love how he writes about it in verses 9 through 14. And I'm going to ask you to do something today. And I don't want you to just appease me. So please, don't do it because if you're appeasing me, because it really doesn't matter. But as we read these scriptures, you know, the moment that it, something hits your heart where you just need to honor Christ, honor God, I just want you to stand to your feet and do that. Whether it's you lift your hand or you shout with praise, look, it doesn't matter. But there should come a respect and a reverence and an awe. You know, I think we cheer for a lot of things, and that's not a bad thing. But the one thing we should cheer more than anything about that is, is our Savior, Jesus. The one thing we should praise more than anything is God. Because at the end of the day, guess who you're spending eternity with? Him. And so, as I read these verses, I just wanted to, to get inside of you. If your spirit, if you just feel something, and look, I, if you're new to God, if this is new, uh, even now, right now, I'm feeling it. There's... There's just something inside of you that you can feel. I, I can't tell you we're all different. You may feel it differently than me, but I, I just feel this. It's like a, a warmth and I don't know, it feels good. It's just coming over me. So when I read these scriptures and there's something inside of you that just says, yes, Jesus, I just need to honor you. I need to respect you. I need to give my praise to you. Just stand and do that. You're not interrupting. Just stand and do that. We need to respect Jesus. We need to honor Jesus. So when that happens, please don't appease me. But if you're feeling God just tug on your heart, you're feeling the Holy Spirit speak to you, I just want you to respond because we should respond to Jesus. And so whether you're following God now, maybe you're here today and you're not following God, but you feel it and you know you need to honor him as Lord, please do so because Jesus can meet you. He can save you right here. And so, all right, you ready? You ready? All right. Now, after I read this, we're going to explode. I got the team ready. We're going to explode into praise and worship. But I just, let's just listen to these verses uh, as we go into them. Starting in verse 9. Starting in verse 9. Here we go. I watched as the thrones were put into place, and the Ancient One who sat down to judge, His clothing was as white as snow, His hair like the whitest wool. He sat on the fiery throne with wheels of blazing fire, and a river of fire was pouring out, flowing from His presence. Millions of angels ministered to him. Listen to that. Millions of angels ministered to him. Then the court began in session, and the court's books, the books of life, were opened. I continued to watch because I could hear the little horn's boastful speech. Oh, he sounds so small, doesn't he? I kept watching until the fourth beat was killed, and his body was destroyed by fire. The other three beasts, the other three nations, the other three beasts had their authority taken away from them, but they were allowed to live for a while longer. Now listen, and my vision continued at night, and I saw someone like the Son of Man. I saw Jesus coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient One, was led into His presence. He was given authority and honor and sovereignty over all 